Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. Hey guys, welcome back to Asian Pop Nation. This is your executive producer, Jesse, here. You guys just heard a couple of amazing songs, starting off with Scatterbrain by Ime. And before that, you guys heard Sweet Juice by Purple Kiss. Now, here on our show today, we have Alicia, Xenia, JP, Ethan, Tracy, and of course, myself. Uh, we got a jam-packed show here for you guys today. Uh, starting off with an amazing interview with Gareth T. He's amazing, guys. You have to look forward to talking to him. And he recently performed at the Sonica Music Festival. So we shall be talking to him about that and all of his amazing music and his newest album, of course. And after that, we have a bit of breaking news. The Oscars, of course, the Oscars. But what's so special about this year's Oscars? Well, Everything Everywhere All At Once did a full-on Oscar sweep this year, bring in some Asian representation. So tune in if you want to hear our thoughts about that. We will also be taking a bit of a dive into South Korea's newly proposed 69-hour work week. Yes, you heard that right. It is 69 hours. That And of course, nothing is complete without... A certain someone whose presence may have been missed in our past couple of shows. Yes, that's right. It is Leisha. She's back to join us this on this week's show. She's back to join us, which we are all very excited for. So we will just be interrogating her about what she's been up to, why she's been missing, all of that good jazz, of course. And finally, we will have a little tech corner segment where we dive into some of the weird tech inventions that we've come across. Hey, 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 this is Agent Pop Nation. Welcome back, guys. You guys just heard a couple of great songs, starting off with Venus Flytrap by Haruno featuring Chiaki Sato. And before that, you guys heard Girls Like Me Don't Cry, the remix by Tui featuring Min. And before that, you guys heard Cupid by 5050. Now, coming up, we have a very exciting interview with none other than Gareth T, who is a singer, a producer, a songwriter based in Hong Kong, who is only 23 years old and has seen worldwide success and reception of his music. So I'm not going to waffle on too much. I'm just going to pass the baton right along to Leisha, who will be conducting the interview today. Hey, hey everyone. This is Leisha here from Asian Pop Nation right here on Sin. And today I am joined by a super duper special guest coming all the way from Hong Kong, actually right here right now in Melbourne for the Sonica Music Festival. We have R&B singer, producer, songwriter, Guarantee here with us. Hello. <laughs> how how are you going today? How have you been? I'm good. We just finished lunch. We are uh, currently in a hotel room trying to practice for our set tomorrow. Oh my gosh. And again, just thank you so much for joining us here at Asia Foundation. I know it is such a hectic time for you because at the time of this recording, your show is literally tomorrow at the festival. So, yeah. Oh my God, thank you once again. For some of our listeners tuning in right now who may have not heard about you prior, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Gareth. 
uh, as you said, I'm from Hong Kong, Hong Kong pop star. Mm-hmm. You know, I sing like hip hop music. I sing like candle pop music. I produce songs and stuff. So yeah, that's basically yeah what I do. Just be making some music. Uh, very humble, making some music. <laughs> forget to mention, he literally makes some of my favorite music at the moment. It's very oh. surreal for me because it's like tomorrow you're gonna be performing in Melbourne in the Sonic Music Festival, and I'm gonna be hearing all these songs that I am obsessed with live. Like, whoa! From like a fan's yes. perspective, it's very surreal. But for you, how does it feel from your end coming down to Melbourne? Uh, I think it's gonna be definitely pretty good. Um, hopefully it's gonna be good. Fingers crossed. Hopefully it's not going to be too hot tomorrow. I think that's the main thing. Like oh I'm really afraid for like quite a lot. But I think other than that, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited to see the people and I'm pretty excited to see the see the stage. Hopefully you could piece some of the songs that you you listen to yes. on the show. Oh my gosh. And like with the weather thing, totally understandable. We are supposed to be in the autumn season, but um the viewers can't see, but we're both here repping like t-shirts. It is freaking hot right now yeah <laughs> i guess on the line of like expectations you have like coming down to melbourne and stuff i'm just wondering of like performing to an australian audience specifically mm-hmm. what sort of like expectations do you have i mean i feel like australian people are pretty friendly i i think they're pretty nice so like even if i mess up like i think they'll still be like let's go like so Yay. i think the- yeah Australian people seem pretty nice and I guess also on the theme of like being here in Melbourne I did see on your recent Instagram post that you actually went to the Melbourne Zoo and out of curiosity how would you rate it what was the experience for you I mean I like looking at animals not particularly like at zoos because you know I'm all about that like animal freedom Mm. type stuff but yeah it's good to see like some lions it's good to see like kangaroos I saw turtles I like seeing turtles. I saw some pretty big turtles. So yeah, I saw a couple of big turtles. That was my favorite part. I really like like big turtles. <laughs> Has there been like other activities or stuff like throughout your Melbourne trip so far that you managed to like see or do? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've been trying to travel with line bikes as much as <laughs> possible, going around the city with the scooters. You know, like going down the slopes and like speeding. Yeah, don't don't go too fast and always put on your helmets. Yeah, safety first. Guarantee condones animal safety and road safety. <laughs> That's right. And I guess kind of bringing the conversation over to like your artist life in Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to bring back to the fact that you literally had your first debut concert back in November last year called November mm-hmm. Rain. Big congratulations, mm-hmm. by the way. A three-day full concert. Oh my goodness. How did it feel performing at your own concert for the first time i think it was pretty like a pretty rewarding experience it it took a little while to like put the the whole thing together and it's my first show so obviously i was pretty excited and you know pretty pretty happy to see like a lot of people coming out to support and like people knowing the songs and you know like having fun with the band and like yeah i feel like that concert was such a good experience for me i I felt really satisfied after it i think like i kind of went on a one month vacation for my personal reward after finishing that concert. So yeah, I'm sad that you you couldn't come through to Hong Kong to peep it, but hopefully one day like we can make it worldwide. So then you, you can keep it on. Please, want to be front yeah. row seat in the Melbourne Guarantee 
solo Melbourne concert. Fingers I, crossed. Fingers crossed, indeed. But I was also curious, like, oh, after, again, performing at your own concert, like, you mentioned it being such an achievement mm-hmm. for yourself. Did you feel like, as an artist, that concert really made you feel more, like, confident in your being able to, like, perform live in general? Mm, I mean, I think I was always, like, not not confident. So, like, that concert, I wouldn't say was a confidence booster, but it mm. was more so, like, I think it kind of boosted my confidence in terms of I was playing a lot of like unreleased and like new songs and then people seemed to dig them. So like it gave me a little bit more confidence at making different types of music. So I guess that's where the confidence part came in. Yeah. And I guess speaking about like unreleased songs and stuff like that, I'm very curious because you just released your like new single this month. Was that one of the songs that you actually performed back in that November concert? No, the new one wasn't something we performed. We did it pretty recently. Like we wrote it about like uh, December. We wrote it in December. So it was after the concert. Yeah. Oh my uh-huh. gosh. And yeah. I guess I guess to like have context for listeners at home, could you give like a bit of a backstory behind like your latest March single? The English title is called Loner Anthem and like Hong Kong people always be on their phones and there's a lot of like loners out there in Hong Kong. Everybody's like so busy with their own work and a lot of people can't admit that they're like really lonely, myself included, I guess. Oh. So so I wrote this song and you know, just for like an anthem for them. So maybe when they're like going on the train or like on the bus, like they could listen to the song and like feel less lonely. I guess that's kind of my purpose for writing this one. Mm-hmm. Mm. And like another thing that actually our whole team in general in Asia Foundation really love about you as an artist is again, all these incredible singles as well as like your first album, to be honest. Like all of these songs come attached with like so much creativity with your music videos. And even, like, the art for your, like, album covers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, like, we're just so curious about your creative process behind your music videos and album art. Like, where does it all come from? I think a main goal for me is, like, really trying to defy expectations. Mm. And, like, I I guess mainly it's because for these music videos... I think we just have a lot of like dumb ideas. So we start, we just like make them like music videos. The newest one was about, it's basically like the fat little kid in Up. Like I was, I really like that character. So I, I wanted to, you know, kind of recreate that with the newest MV. And there's this MV called Dinner in Bed because I really like the Angelo. So I was like, yo, let's recreate Entitled. So it's a lot of like, like just dumb ideas put together. And then we was like, okay, let's make an MV out of this. So that's usually how it comes about. Yeah. Based on that answer, it feels like you take a lot of, like, inspiration based on, like, what you like in your everyday life and stuff. Mm -hmm. Has there been, like, just other pieces of media that you've been really enjoying lately? Certain songs, movies, shows? Like, what has piqued your interest that maybe you're like, hmm, maybe future idea for a future project one day? Mm. Oh, I've been really into, like, 2000s kind of, like, rock music video oh. maybe that's like something i would kind of go for i've been listening to a little bit popper roach and a little bit of slipknot like oh a little God. bit of those so yeah mm. and you feel like that will mesh well in again your whole like defying expectations always going above and beyond oh. I, i'm i'm not sure i don't know i feel like <laughs> i think there's always going to be people that like and dislike it but um i'm just trying to like do what makes me happy like i don't think of it as defying expectations but more yeah. so like just trying out stuff that I like. Mm. Yeah. 
yeah. Now that's a very like I think a good mindset. You're just kind of like going with what like your heart feels and stuff at the moment, mm-hmm. what you want to do. Something else about your music, which like piqued my curiosity, especially, is that your music tends to like alternate between being in English and being in Cantonese as well. So <laughs> I guess I'm just very curious about how do you decide with like certain songs, like oh, I want to write the lyrics of this in English. Or mm-hmm. I want to write this in like Cantonese. Like, what's your thought process behind that? Um, I feel it's harder to write in English. I feel like English lyrics there has to be like a good like topic or a good concept. And mm-hmm. so yeah, when I have a really good concept, I tend to write them in like English. But mm-hmm. I think for Cantonese songs, I'm I'm trying to do more of these slower or like easier listening songs because I live in Hong Kong all my life. So I think it's pretty good to like service the community. And give them some song to listen to. I guess finally, you know, after everybody takes the time to like listen to your music, and mm-hmm. after seeing you perform at the Sonica Music Festival, at the end of the day, yeah. what do you want like all your listeners to take away from your music? What's like the main things? I think for my first album, uh, honesty has been a really big topic. So I want people to, after listening to the album, perhaps be more honest to themselves or to like people around them. But I think right now at the moment, I'm really trying to go for the, it's cool to just be yourself thing. Mm. Yeah. I think it's just good to be yourself. I think that's the main, main, main thing where I'm getting at, you know, since I'm trying to rep the glasses boys out here. So yeah. <laughs> yes. Build up the population of... <laughs> The Asian folks yeah. of the classes community. But yeah. no, that that is actually a very beautiful like sentiment to end a very special mm-hmm. interview with you, Gareth. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. us. And I guess finally, for all our listeners tuning in, where can they find you? Plug everything under the sun that you have. You can find me on Spotify under G-A-R-E-T-H dot with a T. And you can find me on Instagram with Gareth underscore Tong. Yeah, that's where you can find me. Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation. You guys just heard O Circle from Onu, which is from his first album, Circle. Now, before that, you guys heard Xiaoling Bu Chandong from Terence Lam. And before that, you guys heard Gareth T's recommendation called Lona Anthem by, of course, Gareth T. Now, coming up, we have some breaking news for you guys regarding the Oscars. So, uh, Ethan, take it away. Breaking news. No movie has been able to capture the zeitgeist of Asian influence quite like everything, everywhere, all at once. I know it seems like every week we have something new to update about this amazing little movie. Um, It's because it is and we do have something new to update about it every week, um, which I guess is a testament to how meaningful it is to so many of us um, here at APN, but also in the wider universe. Last week, the Academy held their 95th Oscars ceremony where Everything Everywhere All at Once led the charge with 11 nominations. And after the ceremony, they walked away with an incredible seven wins, including Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor and Actress, Best Actress in a Leading Role, Best Editing, and of course, Best Picture. Oh, sorry, just coming in, it looks like we have some even more breaking news. Leisha, one of our APN members, has been spotted crying in public. Um, uh, would care to explain yourself? <laughs> Whoa, whoa, what a a bold claim that I have come out here 
live, not live, to say that, yes, that is true. I did come up crying. I, okay, wait, wait, okay. How do I explain, how do I explain myself? Okay, so uh, I basically cried from like the beginning. The middle point, my tears were, you know, non-existent until Rihanna performed Lift Me Up. And then I cried again when we were reaching at the very end. So when it was coming to like best actor, best actress, best picture. Yeah, it was, I was full on bawling and I was letting everyone know that I was bawling after it. But yes, uh, that did happen. What do you want to know about it? Why do you want to expose me so badly? <laughs> I suppose the best question to ask you, but also to everyone else at APN, is like, what does this Oscar win mean for you? Look, this was my first time that I was actually watching the Oscars in its like entirety from start to finish because it was like held on a public holiday. And I don't know. I just felt like the movie, everything, everywhere, all at once. I know we've talked about the movie so many times. Uh, some of us with very differing opinions about the movie, but for me, this is honestly, damn, why do I feel like I'm going to cry talking yeah, about yeah, it Yeah, actually, now? no, listen, Alicia, why, why, does the, why does the movie mean so much to you? Personally? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, think like... about it. You don't just cry over something. You don't just, like, cry over it if it's not important. Like, this must be, like, this is big. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. just, for me, the movie just encapsulates, like, I don't want to say my, like, entire upbringing or anything, uh-huh. but it's just I really strongly relate to so many of the themes and the aspects of the film. Why am I actually crying? Um, <laughs> The winds were very big as well for the Asian community specifically, especially yeah, with yeah. like, especially with Michelle Yo, like she is the second like uh, women of color ever to win that best actress award. The, like previously it was only Haley um, Berry and then pass that point. It is also kind of heartbreaking because when you do look back and like listen back to Haley Berry's like speech, she does mention that she hopes that this award opens up like the doors for more like women of color to again have recognition in the Oscars. But it's been like more than 20 years and that did not happen until again Michelle Yeoh won. And it was very, very surreal. Okay. As somebody who idolizes Michelle Yeoh to like no end. I mean, again, a little old Malaysian girly looking up to another very successful, (laughs) very successful Malaysian actress. It's just, yeah, I don't know. And again, the movie is just, it holds a very special place in my heart. It's like tears of joy. Like I'm happy to see that, whoa, it's finally getting the recognition it deserves in this like, in an award show, which is notorious for not highlighting a lot of people of color. And if they do, it's quite performative sometimes. But um, <laughs> yeah, I know. And then obviously I cried so much more because I saw so many faces, like um, a lot of stars that I grew up watching a lot, like presenter-wise, Donnie Yen was there, uh, Deepika Padukone was there, who is one of my most beloved Bollywood stars ever, full stop. I know we're like passing the point of everything everywhere all at once, but Natu Natu did also win Best Original Song the first time it's ever happened for any like Indian production. And that was also very, very surreal. They did do a performance, which I have 
qualms. I have opinions, but but yeah, most part, just very happy. And I'm gonna stop talking now because I felt like I went on for a very very long time, and I want other people to talk. <laughs> this is practically our segment, though. No, that was good. That was good. I like it. No, but, no, I agree with you. Um, like mostly, I mostly don't really care for the Oscars. Um, but hearing about this news, like it's like yeah, that movie deserves it. I'm and happy too. The speeches they did, especially like Ki Hui Kwan's uh, and Michelle Yeoh's like speeches about like Ki Kwan's about like you know cons- like don't give up on your dreams and stuff like that. I don't know. I like really took that to heart, and I don't usually take like speeches coming from stars very like to heart. But his one really got to me. And Michelle Yeoh, like whoa, like my mom is the exact same age as Michelle Yeoh. So when she is. Like Michelle was coming in saying everyone about like ladies, don't let other people like say they like you're their prime and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. It hits as well. I don't know. And it's very um <laughs> like you can definitely tell, like, whoa, yeah. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but you can all these speeches, it's quite cute and funny to me that all of them will consistently mention like my mom, my parents. Yes. <laughs> very um <laughs> Very uh, typical to be doing so. I don't know. Anyways, I don't know what I'm saying. I haven't done radio in a while. I don't know what to talk about. (laughs) I I think it's a I think it's a win not just for you know like representation in Hollywood, but also like I think just from an like a like a production standpoint, the movie did really well on a very tight budget and a very tight crew and i hope that this movie inspires a lot more filmmakers to invest in more riskier projects um that don't have marvel budgets um because obviously they spent a lot of time and money on something like this and it had a huge cultural impact on um so like just like investing in more risky projects that also have a lot more to say uh because i think movies like everything everywhere but also like rrr as well i feel like is really leading the charge in terms of like maximalist cinema and kind of redefining what it means to have engaging stories in a modern um, context that continues to have to fight against like, you know, the attention spans of like TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that. I'm happy that Jamie Lee Curtis won, but I really think Stephanie, she should have won. Agree. Agree with Xenia, yes. I I do agree. Like, it was so funny because like when Kiwi Kwan won, I literally started bawling and then the moment Jamie Lee Curtis won, the tears just dried up so fast. I was just in gobsmacked shock. Like I, I get it because the overall like Oscar, quote unquote, theme and stuff has all. It's this year has been about like oh, all these actors and actresses have not I guess gotten their roses and stuff throughout the years. This is like their time now. I get it, but also like if you've seen the movie, Stephanie Hsu's character is like so. Like, Zanya, you would agree. Her role in the movie is so pivotal to, like, everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I, like, I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis's award was more of an honorary one, I think, for all of the work she's done throughout her filmography. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hope that since Stephanie, she's still quite early on in her career, that she will get one. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a shame it wasn't really I feel honored by the performance and more so by the person's impact on the industry mm-hmm. oh. cool so if anyone has any more comments 
about this movie or if they have thoughts on the Oscars, including what other things they thought were interesting, um, definitely get in contact, Asian Pop Nation, at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are chugging along in our show. This is Asian Pop Nation. You guys just heard Steve Jobs by 1300 featuring Kwam. And before that, you guys heard Good Game by Kelmiko. And before that, of course, you guys heard the viral Natu Natu by Rahul Sipali Gunj, Kaila by Rava, and M.M. Kiravani. I'm assuming that all of you work at some point in your lives. It's South Korea recently proposed a 69-hour work week. So I'm just going to pass the discussion on to the rest of the team. Um, long-time listeners may have heard about the squids and the games in the long, long past. Um, but yes, no, we're not talking about Squid Game tonight, but we are talking about South Korea, actually, because if there's one thing that South Korea is known for, other than Squid Game, it's known for um, this pretty rigorous uh, work, uh, how would you say this, work culture? Work culture might be the best term for it. Um, reason we bring this up, though, is because there's actually been some recent news about um, work hours in general. So current South Korean president, Yoon Suk-yeol, and his governing political party, um, they made headlines recently. They announced a bill that would actually extend um, the working hours for most people in Korea, or all people in South Korea. So at the moment, South Korea has actually a 52-hour work week, or they've allowed 52-hour work week, usually have 40 hours per week as a base, and then plus 12 hours over time, if you want to. Um, And that was implemented by the Democratic Party in 2018. Uh, For your information, by the way, Australia's max is like 38 hours a week, so they've got us beat pretty badly already. Um, But now, what's actually happening is that they're trying to introduce a bill that increases the work hours to 69 hours uh per week and apparently the big reason they did it was because of decreasing birth rates so currently south korea has the lowest fertility rates in the world which is about a uh, 0.78 and they believe that how do you say this letting them work overtime for longer it gives them more opportunity to rack up those hours for maternity leave and to perhaps you know make kids in that time or take care of kids in that time. Actually, I'm not too updated on the current um, backlash that this bill has right now, but um, anyone here that knows a bit more, how's um, how are the South Koreans reacting? Yeah, I think recently there's been some articles coming out about the backlash that's been coming out from the public, especially the younger generations. Because um, obviously 69 hours of work a week is quite intensive a lot of the younger generations who are a bit more focused on work-life balance or even workers unions Mm. um have become a lot more focused on like hang on this is actually kind of horrible because it sets expectations on people uh to get closer to 69 hours a week instead of you know the established 40 or 52 from previously um i think generally speaking is like accepted at a national scale that working more hours a week doesn't actually lead to more productivity. I think Japan is a very good example of that, where they have some pretty intensive work hours, but they don't actually have the most productive um, like 
output each week, um, mm, mm. which is why a lot of Western countries are also thinking about implementing four hour, uh, four hour, four day work weeks. What I find interesting is that they're like, oh, uh, this might help with our declining birth rates. Um, uh-huh. And then I, I'm just, I'm just confused as to why they wouldn't just give people more maternity leave or just like just do it that way instead of being like oh you have to like accrue these hours and then then you can do it and then it's kind of like okay but then they're also they're already stressed to work i don't think they're going to be thinking about kids anytime soon so yeah it's like i see it's it's almost like they're afraid they're afraid to let people work less i think because you know in fear you know productivity might fall if we do this um I mean, is South Korea's productivity like of concern to them at the moment? Because if it is, then maybe their reasoning might have some sense. But if not, I'm not sure why. Yeah, because like 69 hours a week, how how many hours is that in a day in a working week? In a day? Uh, If it's like like five five work hours i mean five work days in a week um that's like 13.8 hours yeah so basically half of your 24 hour day is gone right yeah it's just like lost yeah and especially considering that south korea is already as a country quite very it's like japan where in the sense that like the work culture is very full and like yeah it's not good kind of vibe Mm, mm. and so if they do implement it i feel like it's just gonna a lot of people are just gonna set their expectation or they're just gonna it's just gonna become the new normal and i don't think that's good Mm, no um i don't know when when i heard about the 69 hour uh work week i thought about the movie we watched last year at m at the melbourne international film festival about was it plan 75 oh about the um the elderly yeah uh, the euphemism plan yeah that was also coincidentally related mm-hmm. to the low fertility rate in an asian country um, mm. but basically they were like oh the government has put in place a program where they suggest that certain uh segment if you're older than 75 you go euthanize yourself uh-huh. but it shows how that there's like a social pressure to conform to that expectation that you'd go do that at 75 which is actually as ethan said before so i feel like yeah 69 sort of sets like um What's a like a like a reference point a reference point for people to strive towards? Mm-hmm, um, reference mm-hmm. points are quite interesting things. We're quite affected by them. So um, even if you say, "Hey, this isn't like mandatory in any way," people are still going to have that number in their heads and still going to influence um, their attitudes towards like how much work they're willing to do and how much work they expect others to do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I thought the exact same thing. JP, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Um, if they are using this as a tactic to um, increase birth rates or like fertility rates, uh-huh. um, but obviously we don't think that's a good idea. Do you have any suggestions for like what else they could implement? This is not a joke. I'm actually asking like, do you know what would you implement to like help improve birth rates? Birth rates, honestly, I think um, considering the context, we have like you know a country that's like crazy with their um work culture especially i think of japan a lot as well because um you know the news talks a lot about that honestly less work less work um like 
I I honestly think if you make people work less, um, you can make things more productive. I think they actually tried this in Japan a while ago. They tried. I think was it Microsoft? It was Microsoft or something, or some branch of Microsoft. They tried to implement like a four day work week, and um, apparently it worked. Like the productivity skyrocketed or something. Um, you know, people got to chill. If you let people be human, they will work. And like they will have energy and they will do, you know, good output stuff. Like literally one of my favorite manga artists, because you know, you know, the manga industry is so well known for super overworked workers. Um, it was this old guy called Shigeru Mizuki. Um, like absolutely awesome dude, like lived through World War II, got his arm blown off, and he just kept drawing. Um but the greatest thing about him was that he slept all the time. Like all his contemporaries, they slept like two, three hours a day and they all died at 50. But this guy, he slept like 10 hours every day. Great artist. He lived until it was like 90 or something like 95. So, and his work was absolutely amazing. So that's just my personal thought. Work less, you know, take care of your workers. They'll be stronger in the long run interesting very spicy topic if you got any thoughts let us know on facebook twitter and instagram at asian pop nation as we get fully settled into the new season we are also welcoming back a couple of people that is of course leisha and you guys just heard if you see kate by vetterborn and before that you guys heard lucifer by moondoid featuring zombie chan and before that, you guys heard Till the Sun Goes Up by Suyon. We're all just as excited as you guys to be welcoming Leisha back into our shows. You guys heard her voice a lot last year and she is back in full health. Now, we will of course be interrogating her about why she hasn't been with us for the past couple of shows. So I'm just going to throw the baton over again. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been back on the air here at Asian Pop Nation and you may have noticed if you're a regular listener that we've had a particular voice that's been missing due to illness but mainly due to the fact that she has also been away for some time back in her motherland an old friend of APN Leisha welcome Hello, it is good to be back on APN yes it is I where have you been tell us about your exploits oh well, I mean, I just had a very, very, and I mean, very long trip back to Malaysia. And then was it too long. It was like almost over two months. So Whoa, that's ages. So, yeah, very, very long time. Kind of crazy. The longest I think I have just like visited since coming to Australia. So, yeah, it was a bit of surreal. Very surreal, but I guess we'll go in depth with that later. Um, yeah. So after I came back, uh, I got tonsillitis. So uh. <laughs> the combo was, um, yeah, I was pretty much just bedridden until now. Yay! But I am back, baby. And yeah, great to be back. How did it feel being back in Malaysia for so long after so long of not being back? Uh, okay, I do have the preference that I do usually go back to Malaysia at like the end of the year. Mm. Obviously, Corona, not the case. But prior to that, and post 
post-corona, I say that with... With the quotations. With the quotation marks, yeah, post-corona. Um, I do consistently go back to Malaysia, at least at, like, the end of the year. But I don't know why. This time, me coming back, I had, like, the biggest, like, culture shock, family shock, everything shock all at once. It was a bit much. It was probably one of the more eventful trips mentally for me really um, so, wait why why this yeah. trip compared to the other ones what made this one so unique so i guess the oh god i really have to do like a whole family tree situation so oh no. <laughs> oh no basically i'm an auntie yeah so i have a lot of nieces and nephews or my my sisters and when i came back this time a lot of them are like in that teenager phase or just starting to enter that teenager uh -huh. phase. And it was a bit weird talking to them. Wow. They kind of sound like Ethan and JP unironically talking what? about Fortnite and Minions all the time. It's a bit jarring to hear it. Unironically talking to me about how I should download Roblox. And I'm like, uh, no wow. thanks. But uh, yeah, so on that part, it was very surreal. Plus, this is the first time I that when I came back to Malaysia, I was actually staying in a family member's house the whole time. Mm -hmm. Usually, I would be in like an Airbnb hotel situation or be at another parent's house. Mm -hmm. But that did not happen this time. So I was staying in another family member's house the whole time with my nieces and nephews. And it was very, very mind-boggling to me. He, I was stressed feel, out. Did he feel old? I felt very, kind of. I just more felt, like, very stressed out. <laughs> oh, right. I, I think this trip kind of made me realize how my values and viewpoints about life are very different to some of my family members who have lived in Malaysia their entire life like oh. so a lot of stuff that I deem as like wrong or like or that I think are inappropriate for them it's like perfectly fine so it was very jarring uh this was one of the first times that I was actually put in the adults table during family right yeah, yeah so that added to the I think because usually I'm in the kids table because I'm babysitting with my cousins uh, uh, -huh, uh -huh. for our nieces and nephews but this time we were at the adults table and it was just very jarring to me they would just say a lot of stuff that I personally wouldn't have taken like very nicely but haha asian family so you kind of just take it in and then uh have a crying session about it later but yeah stuff like that it was just very jarring but uh yeah <laughs> oh god i don't know how to story about this without it being very depressing but my trip was a little <laughs> bit depressing had some good times so good memories but also equally uh traumatizing as well. oh my god <laughs> how family time is yeah you you saying that like you're everyone sitting at the adult table and like getting gray hairs from listening to their conversation feels very relatable yeah. to me and to think about like when i went to china like 10 years ago which <laughs> is like the last time we went to china um like they do crazy stuff when they get together as a family like my dad is a like a evangelical like non-smoker he despises smoking but whenever he has dinner with like my um cousin's family he smokes they he manages to get pressured into smoking like, you don't know who you become when you're like sat at the family table and with a bunch of people you don't really know but desperately want 
um, approval from. Exactly. And I just, it's like, I felt that pressure to like, I don't know, basically when I'm like meeting with these family members and stuff like that, I feel like I'm communicating to them as a very like watered down version of myself, or at least as a version of myself that doesn't have any of like the quirks or whatever. I'm just like, yes, this is Leisha. I'm studying HR and I'm graduating end of this year. No, I don't have a partner. Yes, I'm staying in Australia. Like boom, boom, boom. That's yeah, you it. Keep, like, you keep done. a sort of distance, don't you? Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. like no actual bad blood with most of my family members. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I was just having like a very weird moment of like, wow. A lot of my family members don't actually know like anything about who I am as a person. And I don't think they really want to know because when I do see them, again, we live in an Asian household and you're seeing relatives. It's the same like main three questions. Like, are you working? Do you have, do you have a partner? And yeah, when are you going to have like kids and stuff like that? Oh all, the, all, all those like. I feel like we should at least give them some credit because, like, I think, like, when you're an adult, an adult, adult, and you've got, like, nieces and nephews who live in a different country, it's very hard to communicate with them because, obviously, you guys have different cultural values. So I feel like for them, them asking just, like, easy questions like, oh, you know, do you have a job? Do you have this? It's just, like, their way of trying to get along with you, even though it's obviously not a great way to do it. But, like, I, I just feel like they're trying give them some slack i guess i don't know <laughs> i wonder if we'd be the same at their age yeah maybe. Maybe. Oh, Who knows? yeah 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 i Probably, guess they're just yeah, icebreaker questions right you don't want yeah. to start out strong with like who's your favorite k-pop idol or something that could yeah. reveal something devastatingly vulnerable you know like that. <laughs> Like you want to start yeah. with yeah like what are your job aspirations the sort of things that you like answer like oral tests with um, mm. what university do you go to demographic question nice neutral stuff except yeah, it's but... not really neutral at all if they're just like no it's a loaded yeah. question yeah 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 no 100%. are you single <laughs> when are you going to get boyfriend oh my god <laughs> like... <laughs> Or like questions yeah. about your weight and appearance. Yeah. Oh hey, yeah. Question. Yeah. It was. Uh, always, I, yeah, I hate it, but then I I kind of appreciate that at least I know where they stand with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just know at least I know what they think about me because mm. I feel like it's a, a very sort of Asian I think collectivist culture thing to be very yeah. direct. Whereas mm. I think, for example, in Australia, there's a lot more like beating around the bush, depending on who you talk to. Yeah. Anyway, listeners, um, we don't have any loaded questions for you, I'm afraid, except have have you started following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? Why haven't you yet? Um, Go to that now at Asian Pop Nation. So keep it here. I'm not going to gain weight. Oh, my goodness. At Asian Pop Nation. We are at Asian Pop Nation. You guys just heard Chrome Hearts by Only One Of. And before that, you guys heard Karma by Pixie. And before that, you guys heard Rover by Kai, who, as you know, is stuck in a certain team member's head. Now, with those new songs, we also have new technology. And that is what the next segment is going to be about. New inventions. Weird ones? Probably. Definitely not anything normal, because we don't talk about normal stuff here. I'm just going to throw straight to the team. 
So here on APN, we do love ourselves a wacky tech story. Well, this week we have three of them for you. So we've decided to compile them into like an informal tech corner. Now, the first of these stories comes from China, specifically Changzhou Vocational Institute of Mechatronic Technology. One of the students there has invented a kissing machine. Um, if you're curious about what a kissing machine looks like, we're looking at a picture of it right now. Our team of APN goes here to um, describe what it looks like to the listeners. You know, um, what's the thing that um, people with asthma have? <laughs> asthma puffer. Asthma puffer. Okay, imagine an asthma puffer, but um, in the section where they breathe in, instead of like a <laughs> hole where they breathe like the gas in, there's like a, a pair of lips like really accurately detailed like someone's mouth yeah uh, it's so weird like the texture of it is like completely smooth plastic yeah. but it's so detailed like they have the little upturned corners of lip they have like the cupid's bow they have it fashioned so lip-like yeah do you know how it works tracy well basically apparently the machine's mouth is able to mimic the movement pressure heat and this is the best part sound of a partner's lips and the idea is that it allows people to sort of send kisses to each other even while apart and so apparently the inventor was inspired by a long distance relationship he had with his girlfriend <laughs> another interesting thing about the device is that you can only pair up one sender and receiver at a time so it's supposed to promote monogamy <laughs> Is that actually what they wrote down? Yeah. yeah. No way. Um, another use of this machine is that it would allow people with infectious diseases to kiss each other. Oh, interesting. Some comments from people in online include, it is a genius invention, but where's the tongue? Other people have commented, my jaw dropped when my girlfriend used it. This is the best surprise I've given her during our long distance relationship. <laughs> So guys, um, JP, you're about to enter into a long distance relationship. God damn it. Use this advice, oh god, this no. Listen, I don't okay. Um I think if I were to use this, I don't know how I would face God uh, before those pearly <laughs> gates. I'm not sure how I'd explain it to him. Like <laughs> it seems so awkward because yeah, to it's use strange. It, you have to kiss this fake plastic lips thing. Yeah, it, just the way it looks as well. Like I don't wanna, I don't wanna think about yeah, it. Yeah, it's really, it's really upsetting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Imagine like famous Got people cracked. selling kisses. Yeah, like an economy of kisses. Wow. What kiss is it? I don't. Know. The kiss economy. Maybe something. The kiss economy. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Goodbye, Bitcoin. <laughs> Hey, I mean, love is a pretty consistent, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 How do I put a moral spin on this? Uh, yeah, I heard with this app as well, that's like, that comes with this machine, you can sort of upload your kisses and other people can like yes, experience them I too. Yes, I did yeah. yes. Yeah, so like if you were to, <laughs> yeah, if you were to experience someone else's kisses, like, is that cheating? Like, you have to talk about that. You have to like set more boundaries, like, oh, Man, damn. Mm -hmm. Couples are not safe. JP, your relationship. It's not safe. Yeah, it's not, not safe, safe from this device. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. 
Oh, the, although the thing that scares me the most about this device is the fact that it mimics the sound of lips. Does yeah, that that's it? Not oh, that is well, you kiss me. I'm sorry. I still, I still can't get over the comments someone made. They're like, but where's the tongue? Like, are you? <laughs> that guy's down bad. That's down bad. bad. But it's like, let's take it, wouldn't it? Oh god. To like implement a tongue. Yeah, because if you were to make like a for the recipient, how would you like? feel the tongue in your mouth you'd like have to put right yeah 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 it's like very like flexible yeah you need to account for all of the mechanics of how it would move right exactly it's actually it'll become quite an expensive uh, machine you know you think that'll include teeth at some point oh Oh, yeah teeth yeah you have to account for that too (laughs) then you'll know (laughs) this is what happens when you try to imitate creation this is god's domain this is what happens. <laughs> <Some> monstrosities. <laughs> well, speaking of romance and how it intersects in upsetting ways with technology, we've talked a bit about AI idols, essentially basically like K-pop idols, which are entirely fake and just like computer-generated animations. In the past, we talked a bit about Superkinds, which is a group made up of a single AI idol and his backup dancers who are all human. But it seems like a weird trend for an industry so predicated on parasocial relationships. You know, do fans feel as strongly about virtual animated characters as they do about flesh and blood humans? Either way, the companies behind AI idols have been trying to replicate um, the typical fan idol interactions, such as live Q&As. And recently, a Q&A done by Superkind's virtual idol, Sung, has been talked about a lot online due to him alluding to rumors that he was dating fellow AI idol M-A-V-E or Mave. And it's kind of sad, but also kind of funny that dating rumors are such a prevalent part of the K-pop news cycle that even virtual idols are getting caught up in them. Oh wait, um, so wait, the the AI um idols, they're not actually dating each other, right? They're not real people. Right. So I don't see how they could be real dating each other. <laughs> yeah, like I don't understand. Would fans be turned off because their virtual non-existent idol was fake dating? a fake person i i think people would actually take this seriously <laughs> to yeah. get cancelled for dating yeah I, I was all for this ai idol until i found mm-hmm. out that he was dating he was cheating on me right yeah with an impossibly beautiful impossibly good at dancing ai idol that i will never measure up to dude i mean vtubers are a thing already yeah, but VTubers feel just like like there's a real person voicing it and yeah. it's like consistently the same person. No. But like would a VTuber dating another VTuber get become a scandal? Yeah, yeah, it actually does. It there is there can be quite a lot of commotion. Like I think a VTuber sort of having a boyfriend outside of um, you know, their VTuber job, that's like enough of a scandal already. Wow. Um but then VTubers dating each other, that's that's pretty crazy. Um, so I think it's unfortunate that we humans are so good at abstract thinking. <laughs> what? It's so Wait, unfortunate. Yeah. It's so bad that we can impose uh, our unrealistic uh, expectations we have on other humans onto like beings that don't exist. Right. You know. At the same time, though, I think this is people are talking about this mostly because it's funny. Like, uh-huh. I guess another thing about AI idols is because they're not real people, and the people like creating the idols have to essentially create narratives around them. It becomes almost like a parody of the K-pop industry. Oh my God. 
I think in like a really utilitarian way, like if you can like create more reliance on this kind of drama, like you literally artificially create drama, it kind of alleviates the pressure of the actual human idols because then I feel like you can just like, like, look, here's your drama, here's all of it, but like leaves the, the humans out of it. Yeah, because it, like it does take a lot of emotional labor. Mm. Um, anyway, um, that's it for today's Tech Corner. If you have any thoughts about um, the stories we've covered this week, please let us know on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are Asian Pop Nation. Keep it tuned for the songs coming up next.